Welcome to the sermon podcast of Exodus Church, located in Belmont, North Carolina. For more information about our church and the many ways you can be involved, please go to our website at theexoduschurch.org or email us at info at theexoduschurch.org. Hey guys, my name is Brian. I'm one of the pastors at Exodus, and we're so grateful that we can gather around God's Word today. Um, And all this social distancing is teaching us a lot about ourselves. Some of us are learning what we can make with the groceries in our cupboard. Uh, Some of us have found a new author we enjoy. Uh, Some of us have discovered Tiger King. Uh, But all of us are learning a lot of different things. But one lesson that unites all of us that we're learning right now is we're learning that we're not made to be alone. Now, for extroverts, we learned that in 30 minutes. We were climbing the walls after 30 minutes of being in our house. Uh, And even for some of us with introverted tendencies, we're we're almost to the point of wanting to call somebody. Uh, But all of us are learning that we're not made to be alone. We're not made to be alone. We're not even made to be just with one person or just with our nuclear family. We're made for a community that's bigger than that. We're not made to be alone. Alone, And in our passage today, Paul is learning that, or actually not learning, he's learned that lesson. He knows that to be the case. And what we're going to see today in 2 Timothy 4 is Paul's going to teach us that we're not made to be alone. He's going to demonstrate that to us, that we're not made to be alone, that we need faithful friends and we need a forever friend. So I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, We're going to start in verse 6. We'll read through verse 18. Then I'll pray and we'll jump into God's word. Paul writes, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. And my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So... I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we ask that you would speak to us through your word today. That you would capture us. That you would capture our attention right now. That you would capture our affections. That you would capture us with your word. Lord, I, I ask that you would uh, speak into every heart listening. You, you know, Holy Spirit, you know every heart, you know every need, you know every struggle, you know every fear. So Lord, would you speak in ways that are far beyond anything I could ever do? Holy Spirit, would you please, would you preach a better sermon than I've prepared today? And we will be careful to give you all glory for it. 
We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Now we're going to see two parts to the passage today. We're going to see Paul's context, and then we're going to see Paul's community. First, we're going to see Paul's context. Now, Paul is facing his own end. Paul finds himself in a Roman prison. He's lonely. He's isolated. He's facing the end of his life. We see that in verse 6 of chapter 4. He says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He says, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. He doesn't say I've won the race. He just says I've finished. Paul knows the end of his life is coming. And he's looking forward. He's looking forward to heaven in verse 8. He says, Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Paul is facing the end of his life, and he's looking forward to receiving that crown of glory, that crown of righteousness that Jesus will award, not, not because of Paul's work, but because of Jesus' grace. And Paul will receive it, and not only Paul, but all who have loved his appearing. So Paul is facing the end. And not only is he facing the end of his life, Paul is also dealing with unfaithful Friends. Now, the first one we see is in verse 10. His name is Demas. It says, For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, Demas shows up in Colossians, also in Philemon, but here he's a deserter. Now, we don't know exactly what's going on. We don't know if he's falling in, fallen into sin. We don't know if the, the mission has just gotten too difficult. What we do know is that he has deserted Paul and he proves to be an unfaithful friend. The next one we see is Alexander. He shows up in verse 14. It says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. It says, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Then he tells Timothy, beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Alexander's been an unfaithful friend. He's done Paul great harm. He's opposed the message. Now, he seems different from Demas. Demas deserted Paul. Alexander seems to have deserted Jesus. Now, this Alexander is probably the same one mentioned in 1 Timothy. Uh, in 1 Timothy, he's destroying the church alongside a guy named Hymenaeus. And Paul warns Timothy there and warns Timothy here about this man. He says, beware. Now, I want to notice two things about how Paul responds to an unfaithful friend. First, his primary concern is the gospel, not the great harm. He says in verse uh, 15, he says, Beware of him, for he strongly opposed our message. Not he strongly opposed me. He strongly opposed the message. It seems that Alexander was not a non-Christian outside the church, but a professing Christian inside the church. And what Alexander has done is he's opposed the message of God's grace that Paul and Timothy have been preaching. And Paul tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 1 that this kind of teaching will spread like gangrene and destroy the church. So Paul's not primarily concerned about the great harm to him. He's primarily concerned about the harm to the gospel. Second thing I want us to notice is that Paul responds with grace. Now remember, Great harm, opposed our message, and yet Paul responds with grace. It says in verse 14, 
Paul says this, he did me great harm, but the Lord will repay. Paul, Paul releases vengeance, justice, and anger into the hand of the Lord. And then later in verse 16, Paul says, At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Now, this is not connected to Alexander, but it does show us something about Paul's heart when he is harmed. Not only does he release vengeance and justice, Paul also requests forgiveness for the one who has harmed him. So Paul is displaying something to us about how to respond when we are hurt. And when wronged, Paul releases justice into the hands of God and requests forgiveness from God. Now, this is really hard. I mean, when someone does great harm to us or even they're opposing something we hold dear, it's really difficult for us to release that. I mean, we want to exact our vengeance. We want them to get all they deserve. Paul shows us another way. When wronged, Paul released justice into the hands of God and requests forgiveness from God to them. And in this, Paul is following the example of Jesus. Now, in 1 Peter, we read this. For to this you have been called... Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So Jesus left us an example, and we are to follow him. What are we to do? First Peter continues, he committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now, our natural tendency when we have been harmed or when someone opposes something that we hold dear, our natural tendency is to react with anger and vengeance. Paul is following the example of Jesus who shows us a better way. When people harm us, Jesus calls us to extend grace, to release, to release justice into the hands of God and to request forgiveness from God for those who have harmed us. This is how Paul dealt with unfaithful friends, even when he was lonely, even when he was facing difficult times. So that's Paul's context. Now, Let's look at Paul's community. Now, Paul demonstrates here in this passage that we are not made to be alone, that we need faithful friends and a friend who is forever. Let's start with faithful friends. We, we first have these faithful friends who are, who are sent out from Paul. We see in verse 10, these two men, Crescens and Titus. And then in verse 12, we see Tychicus who's gone to Ephesus. These three men are sent out from Paul as faithful friends deployed for ministry. And then we see some friends who are called in. Now, the first one we see is in verse 11. This is Luke. It says in verse 11, Luke alone is with me. So Paul is not alone in Rome. Luke is with him. Now, this is uh, Luke the physician. 
Uh, He was a missionary partner with Paul. He's there with Paul in Rome, probably attending to his medical needs and possibly serving as a secretary for Paul's letters. So as Paul speaks to Luke, Luke writes this down. And can can you just imagine as Paul is reciting this letter to Timothy and he gets to verse 11 and says, Luke alone is with me. And Luke's like, hey, well, what am I? Like, I'm here. Luke, this Luke, wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And Luke is a faithful friend. Then in verse 11, we have Mark. It says, uh, get Mark and bring him with you. So Timothy is to get Mark and bring him to Rome to see Paul. And then he says, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Now this is a special story. The first time we see Mark is in Acts chapter 12. And Mark gets connected to Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journey. Well, something happens on that journey, and we don't know exactly what, but Mark basically leaves the team and goes home mid-trip. Well, this, uh, this caused a rift for Paul where on the next journey, when Barnabas wants to bring him again, Paul says, no way. There's no way he's going with us this time. And it got to be so tense that Paul and Barnabas had to separate and Barnabas took Paul, uh, Barnabas took Mark, and Paul took Silas, and they went their separate ways. Well, now something has happened. Restoration has happened to the point that Paul would tell Timothy, Bring Mark, for he is useful to me for ministry. And so Timothy brings Mark when he's on his way. And finally, that gets us to Timothy, who is a faithful friend. Notice, Paul wants to see Timothy. He wants him to come. In fact, he wants him to come before winter, he says. Now, we know that Paul loves him because in chapter one, Paul says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. And now at the end of his life, Paul wants Timothy to come quickly. Now, Paul's making a big request here. This would take four to six months, depending on weather, for Timothy to get from Ephesus to Rome. It's a long trip. And if he doesn't get there before winter, he won't be able to come until after winter. That's why Paul says to come quickly. And he gives Timothy a list in verse 13. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. Now, this was probably like a circular cape uh, made either of animal hair, wool, or potentially uh, leather hide or something. Uh, It was used in winter to keep warm. It was very, very expensive. And uh, it was also used to cover yourself when you were sleeping. So it was a very important piece of Paul's equipment. And then he says, also the books and above all the parchments. Now, the books were probably scrolls. Uh, Potentially, these could have been early Christian documents. And then the parchments, these would have been sheets made of animal skin used for correspondence. So maybe Paul wants to write more letters to send out. Now think about this group that's assembling. You've got Luke, Mark, Timothy, and Paul. These these four men gathering with Paul there in Rome. And some have speculated that this meeting could have been the beginning, the, the event that the Holy Spirit used to get the gospel of Luke and the gospel of Mark written down. Can you imagine those men gathering around Paul and Paul saying, hey men, we're gonna die. And this message of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection, it's gotta get written down. 
and the Holy Spirit inspiring Luke and Mark to write their gospels so that we could read about Jesus. Now, whatever's going on here, whatever's going on, what we see is that Paul has faithful friends. Some are sent out, some are brought in, all are necessary. We're not made to be alone. We're made for faithful friends. But we're also made for a forever friend. And we see that in verse 16. Look at verse 16. Paul says, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. May it not be charged against them. So something's going on here. There's a lot of conversation about what exactly this is referring to. At the very least, we know that Paul is defending himself and he's doing it alone. But he's not alone. Verse 17, but the Lord stood by me. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. Paul's saying, I was alone, but but I wasn't alone. The Lord stood by me. Paul's saying, I was weak, I was helpless, but the Lord strengthened me. I was in danger, but the Lord rescued me, Paul says. Paul's speaking of Jesus as his forever friend. And he says he did this, and he's going to go on doing it in verse 18. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, listen, some of you, some of you feel the need that Paul expresses here. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel just alone. And what you need to remember today is that the Lord stood by Paul, he'll stand by you. Maybe you feel weak and powerless and helpless. You need to remember today, the Lord strengthened Paul, he'll strengthen you. Maybe, maybe you just are wondering if anyone will, can rescue you from the pain and misery you're feeling. You need to remember the Lord rescued Paul. He'll rescue you because our forever friend is also the forever king who will bring us safely home to his heavenly kingdom. Now, now that, that, that should take our breath away for a moment. The reality that our forever king is a forever friend. And I remember in middle school when the coolest high school student I knew, like there was no one cooler than this guy, when he befriended me, I was, I was overjoyed. And how much more when we realize that the king of heaven is our forever friend. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, it is a mark of wonderful condescension on his part, that he should call us his friends. And it confers upon us the highest conceivable honor that such a Lord as he, so infinitely superior to us, should condescend to enter into terms of friendship with us. And yet that is what he has done. Jesus, our forever king, is also our forever friend. And so while Paul is lonely and isolated, while he's facing the end of his life, he knows that he has faithful friends, but he knows he has a forever friend. And so how do we apply this? Well, two things. First, 
Community has never been more important. Community has never been more important. Now, this is not a new value for us at Exodus. From the very beginning, we've said that Exodus seeks to be a redeemed people. And now more than ever, we need to live into this value. We need to be a redeemed people. We need to be relationally connected. And that's one of the reasons we work so hard to get our groups on Zoom as quickly as possible. And, and listen, I, I know, I know it's harder over Zoom. I know that. I mean, you, you pour out your heart to your group. You tell them about your fear and your pain. And then you get finished and they say, oh, you were on mute. Or, hey, you froze up. Can you do all that again? And it's like, no, I can't. I don't want to do that. And I know that it's so much easier to get on Netflix or YouTube. They both, they both take so much less energy. But community has never been more important. It has never been more important. We need each other. We need each other. And so I want to encourage you to be spiritually connected during this time, even while we're socially distanced. I want to encourage you to be connected. Now, as Paul shares in this passage... Being connected immediately raises the possibility of being hurt. Being connected immediately raises the possibility of friction, pain, hurt. I mean, you heard Paul's words in this passage. He deserted me. He did me great harm. No one stood by me. I mean, this, this is pain caused not by somebody far away, but by somebody close up. And each of us, have experienced that in our lives. We've been hurt by someone close. We've also hurt someone close. And since community is so important, we will need to learn to follow Paul's example and extend grace. When he was harmed, he released justice and requested forgiveness for the one who harmed him. We need to learn to follow his example. It may be that we need to extend that to someone else. It may be that we need to receive that from someone else. That we need to receive grace and mercy. Listen, I, I don't know your story. God knows your story. God knows your story. But perhaps you've wronged someone in your household this week. Maybe, maybe you just absolutely lost it to someone at work. Maybe there's a relationship that needs mending. I don't know your story. What I do know is that community has never been more important. Now more than ever, we need faithful friends. We need faithful friends. And then finally, just a question. Do you know the forever king as your faithful forever friend? Do you know the forever king as your forever friend. Paul proclaims with confidence, the Lord will rescue me, the Lord will bring me safely home to his heavenly kingdom. Do you have that kind of confidence today? Do you know that Jesus is your forever king who will bring you safely home? You can. You can know that today. You see, this forever king is the one that we have rejected. We've, we've done great harm to him through our actions, our attitude, and our nature. We've rejected his message of grace and truth. 
And yet this forever king loved us so much that he left his throne in heaven, came to live on earth. He lived a perfect life of obedience. He died a sacrificial death on the cross for our sin. He was buried. He was raised from the grave so that all who place their faith and hope in him might be saved. And if you will place all your hope in him, And if you will surrender all your life to him, you can be forgiven and he can be your forever king. Your forever king. And this forever king is also our forever friend. Does that not astonish you? Does that not shock you? that the forever king could be your forever friend. Jesus calls us friends in John 15, and he says this, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says greater love, there's no greater love in the world. There's no greater love. What kind of, then what kind of love are you talking about, Jesus? The kind of love where someone lays down his life for his friends. And that is what he's done on the cross. Our forever king laid down his life on the cross, both as a demonstration of his love for us and as, and, and as a demonstration of his friendship to us. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Do you know, do you know, do you know that your forever king loves you like this? Man, it's staggering. It's staggering. And maybe you would ask, why? Why would he do that? I have no idea. Like, I have no idea why he would love us this way. And neither did J.I. Packer. He writes this, for some unfathomable reason, he wants me as his friend and desires to be my friend and has given his son to die for me in order to realize this purpose. You ask why? Like after all the things we've done, after all the things we've not done, after all the ways we've rejected him, why would he want to be our friend? For some unfathomable reason, he just does. And that should overwhelm us. Oh, oh, how I hope you know the forever king is your forever friend. So that when, we're, when you're walking through loneliness, you know you're not alone. When you're walking through difficulty, you know there's a strong hand to help you. When you're walking through fear, you know that you don't have to be afraid because he's with you. Your forever king is your forever friend. And on the days, Christian, when you start to wonder, is he really my friend? You simply have to look at the cross where Jesus demonstrated not just his love for us, but his friendship to us. Now, Last week, uh, Joe Diffie, a country music legend, uh, succumbed to the virus that has us socially distanced right now. But back in the day, he had a hit song that has always stuck with me. And the song is about a guy named Billy Bob who loved a girl named Charlene. 
And so he climbs up on this water tower in their little town and paints Billy Bob Loves Charlene over the water tower. Well, here's, here's how the song goes. It says, in John Deere Green, on a hot summer night, he wrote Billy Bob Loves Charlene and letters three foot high. And the whole town said he should have used red, but it looked good to Charlene in John Deere Green. Now, the song becomes kind of the story of their love for one another, and then it gets to the bridge, and it says this. Now, more than once, the town has discovered, painting over it ain't no use. There ain't no paint in the world that'll cover it. The heart keeps showing through. And I kid you not, every time I hear that song, I think about the cross. I think about the reality that Jesus hung on the cross as a demonstration of his love to me. That the cross is the demonstration not just of his love, but his friendship to me. And that if Jesus loves me like that, I can never doubt that he's my friend. And that the, that the returning king, the forever king, has promised to be my forever friend. And no matter where I go or what I do or how alone I feel or how helpless I feel, Jesus is my forever friend. And if I ever doubt that, I look to the cross because there ain't nothing that can cover that where Jesus demonstrated his love for me by laying down his life for his friends. And so Christian, if you're doubting today, if you're doubting that Jesus might be your friend, or if you're doubting that he might call you his friend, you look to the cross. You look to the cross where the king of glory laid down his life to demonstrate his love for you. Let's pray together. Father God, Father God, we're overwhelmed with the reality that you would stand by us. We're overwhelmed with the reality that you would bring us safely home. We're overwhelmed with the reality that you would call us your friends. We're overwhelmed with the reality that Jesus would die on a cross to not just demonstrate love, but friendship to us. God, that's overwhelming. Lord, help us believe. Help us believe, Lord God. Help us, help us never doubt your love, your friendship, your kindness, your grace, your mercy. Help us never doubt that as we walk through these days. And we pray this all in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.